So today, as you've just heard, uh, we're looking at another passage, which is from the beginning of Luke's account of the Acts of the Apostles. And I have a question for you. I pondered about this question. Have you ever been envious of the early Christians in the beginning of Acts? I'm not sure envious is the right sentiment as a Christian, but um, let me explore it a little bit. You know, thinking back, could you imagine that roller coaster of emotions that they'd been through? You know, looking back a few months, being confused and distraught when Jesus was arrested, when he was tried and then condemned to death. And then the sorrow and the personal grief at seeing your friend, leader, and savior dying on the cross. And then zoom, the roller coaster rockets as some of your friends say that they have met Jesus, risen from the dead. Eventually, over 500 people saw him at one time, including you, and you got to listen to him as he radiated love, wisdom, as for 40 days he was there with you, just like before. But now, even more. Words fail you. Jesus is even more. You can't say it in Greek, you can't say it in Hebrew, you can't say it in English. He just had that resurrected Jesus must have been just so beautiful to spend time with. And then you saw him taken up before you, before your very eyes. But he told you to stay in Jerusalem. And now it's Pentecost. And something so strange, so wonderful, so powerful happened. God's very spirit was there in the room with all of you. And you saw something that looked like tongues of fire touching each of your friends around the room. That power given freely to us just as Jesus said it would, the Holy Spirit filling each person. Then Peter spoke to the crowd and everybody understood him, even though they'd come from the four corners of the world. And that the Holy Spirit spoke through Peter as he said, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other, disciples, other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, that's us, for all whom the Lord God will call. That very day on Pentecost, 3,000 people accepted Jesus into their hearts and were baptized. 3,000 in one day. Are you getting the idea of why I'm a little bit envious? Could you imagine the chatter in Jerusalem? And we heard last week, um, as Stephen helped us, of just how these new disciples, new believers, lived alongside the apostles and all the other followers of Jesus. I'm going to read that again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give it to anybody who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wouldn't you have just loved to have been there? But tonight, friends, I want to tell you that we are the same people. We are the same group that has grown in number over the years. 2,000 years, yes, but grown. We are the same people. And now instead of a few thousand in Jerusalem, we are two billion people worldwide. We are the same group that have have taught each other through the generations about Jesus. We are his people, the heirs of Peter and John. The Holy Spirit is the same spirit. I was reminded by a good friend this week of something Paul wrote in Romans 8, 11. Thank you, Janet. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is, of course, a wonderful verse in itself. And not but, not but at all, but there's something else extremely powerful here. The Holy Spirit in us, you and me, is that very spirit that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead. I'm going to say that again. That Holy Spirit is so powerful that he changed the course of this universe as he rose Jesus from the dead. So as we trundle through life here in the 21st century, do we behave like this? Do we behave like that acknowledgement of that spirit in us? The power to raise Jesus from from dead lives in us. Why then are we so unambitious? Why do we stifle his course in our life? Why are we not more ambitious to have more of him in our lives? And then when we think of others we know and love who don't know him, why is our heart not earnestly seeking out for them to know him too, to know this wonder of knowing Christ, to know salvation, purpose, and love? Friends, I'm I'm speaking to myself as well. I want to know him more. I want to keep him central to my life at all times and in all situations. I want not to wander off from him when other things press in. I want to keep central that knowing of Christ and knowing that he is everything. This is the only treasure worth having. Matthew captured the words of Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 6 when he wrote, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Properly having this knowledge in our hearts of the value of knowing Christ, 
of having him as our Lord and Savior is this treasure. Richer than silver and gold is having Jesus as our friend and knowing his love. Maybe this is why I envy Peter and John as they walk up to the temple to pray. Their hearts are uncluttered. Peter knows now more powerfully than maybe ever what he said a few months ago. When Jesus asked him, do you remember back when he asked him, who do you think I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now that church is already going from strength to strength as they walk up the Temple Mount. So what can we learn from these two men who are full of the Holy Spirit as they go up to the temple? It might help if you've kept your Bibles open at page 1094 of the church Bibles or feel free to use an app. And I'm just going to rattle through each of these verses. Look at verse 1. They did what they knew they had to do. Prayers at 3 o'clock. They were on their way to prayer. So do we have this type of routine in our lives? Do we start the day with prayer and finish the day with prayer, however we feel? Then verse 3, as they saw this 40-year-old man, we're told that in chapter chapter 4, they stopped and sensitively addressed the needs of this man. They identified his true needs. Then in verse 4, they had the courage to face the problems. Notice Peter and John looked straight at him. They did not shy away. How many times have we walked past people in the street, avoiding people's eyes? Then verse 6, they realistically admitted their lack of material resources. But what they had was so much more valuable, more than gold and silver. They recognized the power of Jesus, and they called on his authority. Now, just a quick aside. Notice the title of our passage in your Bibles. Peter heals the crippled beggar. Ignoring for a moment the lack of political correctness in this now 30-year-old copy of the NIV, in how this man who was disabled since birth, is referred to. I have particular problems with the start of the sentence, Peter heals. Now make note that titles in Bibles are not part of the original Greek. These are inserted by the translator for our help to show what this passage is going to be about. But they are not scripture as such. And I actually think the NIV translator Um, hasn't done very well here. Peter is clear in Acts 4, verse 9 to 11, when addressing his accusers after healing this man. His accusers were the temple guards and the Sadducees. And look in verse 9. If you are being called, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a crippled man and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, 
that this man stands before you healed. This title shouldn't be Peter Heals. Peter would be quite cross if he read it. I think Peter is clear. This is Jesus who heals. Then in verse 7, they solved practical problems. This man had to rely on begging for a living. His healing would have made it um, possible to, for him to help himself. If they did have money and they just gave him money, then that might have lasted a little. But then he would have had to come back later and probably start begging again. In giving to people, there are sometimes two ways of giving for us. First one, we can relieve the symptom. And secondly, we could remove the cause. The first is sometimes needed, especially in the very near term. But removing the cause is always better. Then in verse 9, this credibility that this helping, practical help for this man creates gives Peter the permission to then proclaim the truth to his accusers and those listening. It gives him a platform to convince his adversaries and others of the good news of Jesus in his speech that follows on from verse 11. Notice too in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 16, the temple guards and the Sadducees have no doubt that this healing actually happened. No one is in any doubt. They, they say, what are we going to do with these men? They ask each other. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. Now, I want to tackle this head on. I believe that this miracle happened. This is a miracle not only of orthopedics, healing of the man's bones, but notice, I love that line when he just jumps up and praises God. Think how much his muscles would have atrophied where he hasn't walked all his life. He barely had muscles, and yet instantly, his bones are better, his legs are better, and he's dancing for God. Through the name of Jesus, his whole disability is eradicated in an instance. I also have no problem in understanding that this type of healing can happen again in this day and age. God can do whatever he likes, and he does. But we should also recognize and pray for the other way that God heals, by enabling amazing medical folk, empowering them and endowing them with wisdom and skills to heal. Both supernatural and God-enabled healing happens, and we can and should pray for both. Notice fundamentally, too, that Peter and John were out there in the world and they were listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to talk to this man. They may have passed that man many times in the past. The beautiful gate was one of the main ways into the temple. Just this time, the Holy Spirit said, go and talk to him, go and talk to him. So tomorrow morning, or even later tonight, we will be out there in the world carrying this treasure of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, the knowledge of salvation in amongst people who don't know his love. Well, last Tuesday, we had our first God at Work course um, in Emmanuel Hall. 
And um, I led, in the leading of that discussion, I showed a video um, that TJ suggested we play here in this service and the other services to today. So a video that describes a strong principle to do, this send, to do with this sending out. Flo, would you run the video? Over a month, around 6% of the UK gather together to worship Jesus. It feels like we're too few to make a difference. But the reality is, Monday to Saturday, God has us. Scattered in the world, connecting to hundreds and thousands of people. So wherever you are, whoever you are, Whatever you do, you can make all the difference in the world. And on Sundays, when we gather together, we strengthen and empower one another to be sent out again for life on our front lines. Gathering, scattering. So at the moment, right now, we are gathered, learning more about God and about ourselves here in this place. But tomorrow, we will be scattered. Wherever you're going, wherever you are, Monday to Saturday, in work, school, home, or wherever. And then next Sunday, we will again gather. And there's a rhythm here of gathering and scattering, gathering and scattering each week. Gathering encourages us, equips us to then scatter, to go out and be with the people who maybe do not know him. So what happens when we're scattered? Well, learning from the passage we've just read, we get an opportunity to show God's love in what we do. And this gives us an invitation sometimes to speak. But we start off by loving people wherever we are, in work, or school, we can witness to our love of Jesus by working faithfully and honestly, knowing that we are his. At the same time, having an open eye and an ear alert for the Holy Spirit's prompting to step in gently and caringly for people. Because God loves all people, and it's our privilege to spend time with these loved people, being able to share why we live life differently what God means to us. And I invite you, if you'd like to come and learn more, to come next Tuesday, 8 o'clock, Emmanuel Hall, for week three, week two, and then week after week three, and then week four. Don't worry that you've missed the first week. It would be lovely to have you. If you want to be more conscious about what it means to be a Christian wherever you are, Monday to Friday. I want to finish with some words of Peter that he wrote many years later, in his first letter. He said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So tomorrow we are out scattered, but not alone. We go out with the Holy Spirit at our side, that same Spirit who's had the power to raise Jesus from the dead. May God bless you in whatever he has planned for you this week. Amen.